Welcome back to Bird's Eye View. When it comes to the Orioles, this weekly podcast is your official source for a lack of insight and for baseless opinions. Today is March 18th, 2019, and this is episode 260. My name is Jake English. And I'm Scott Magnus. And on this week's show, we'll go over some recent MLB rule changes. We'll also get into some classic Baltimore Orioles fans overreacting. And we'll get right into that after we lubricate the show. That's right. It is time for the drink of the week. Scott Magnus. What are you drinking? Uh, Jake, I'm drinking a Nord et Bleu uh, from Big Oyster Brewery in Lewis, Delaware. Uh, Belgian triple uh, with a hint of uh, dry blueberry and uh, black tea notes um, on this beer. I love that I'm crinkling my nose as you describe this, combined with the fact that I'm holding a National Bohemian. Oh, yeah. The the pride of Milwaukee. Yeah. Yeah. Isn't that South Carolina now? Maybe. Yeah. Wherever they can bottle it now. Wherever they can find it. Uh, if you're interested to see what we're drinking on a weekly, daily, hourly basis, uh, come find us on Untapped. I'm at Jake E4025. My, I'm at MEGN8606. Speaking about Natty Bow, you knew there was the whole situation earlier this year where there was a concern that Natty Bow was no longer going to be brewed anymore, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, do you think there's a situation within the next, oh, let's say, five years where Natty Bow once again ceases to exist? It's possible. Okay. possible do you know national premium yes okay separate beer yep right somebody bought the rights to not only brew the beer but also for the name yeah i think if that were to ever happen that uh paps would sell off mm. the national bohemian brand so that somebody, somebody in baltimore could continue to sell shirts yeah right. it's fair yeah i mean everyone's looking for a gimmick yep hi welcome to bird's eye view <laughs> <laughs> all right uh want to go ahead and get into 200 furry characters less or would you rather go for a checkup? Did we ever find out which we're supposed to do first? Uh, we did. Uh, would you like me to tell you what it is? Yes. All right. Well, let me tell you the way we're supposed to do this is we're supposed to go to the medical wing. Time for your checkup. Time for your checkup. I'm going to check your ears, check your eyes, find out how much you've grown. Time for your checkup. going to listen to your heart and fix you up. Ready to go. Time for your checkup. It's so All right, so it sounds dangerously like you did research. I did research. Uh, I listened to previous episodes Oof, and, uh, on purpose. On purpose. Yikes! Uh, and uh, we went from there. So, uh, speaking about doing research, I pulled up the two individuals that are currently hurt uh, within Orioles spring training. So we've got you, you don't mean the fans' hearts? Uh, no, that's okay. that's we don't have enough time on this show. Uh, the first one would be uh, Renato Nunez with right arm soreness. You know who's going to be really disappointed? Matt Taylor's kid. Absolutely. Uh, he's day-to-day. Uh, Jake, any concern that you have with Renato Nunez potentially uh, you know, maybe not being the starting third baseman for the Baltimore Orioles to begin the season? Am I, stop. Am I concerned that Renato Nunez might not be able to patrol third base yeah. on opening day? Yeah. No. Well, there you go, Matt Taylor's son. Jake doesn't <laughs> care about you. Matt Taylor's son might be the starting third baseman if that's not the case. <laughs> Uh, speaking about other concerning matters, Austin wins uh, with an oblique injury. Uh, Jake, concerned at all about Austin wins and his oblique injury? Jesus. Sucre is probably going to get a spot if he's too hurt to play. Yeah. No, I'm not concerned. 
So you think it's Chancisco should run for the beginning of the season? You think he's earned it? Yeah. Well, um, do I think he's earned it or do I think it's his show to run? I mean, he had a good beginning of spring training and yeah. you know spring training stats always have a tendency to carry over in april right yeah absolutely he's won the jake fox award no uh it's fine it's whatever who cares about obliques i guess my question really is who cares about you know the day-to-day situation do you think this is something that lingers for austin wins we've talked about obliques before in this this podcast when people are actually important on this team and it's a situation where you know it has a tendency to linger for weeks upon weeks upon weeks does um, he have to yeah. You have to let it linger. Um, no, I mean, I think this is. I think you're looking for oblique. <laughs> um, no, I, I, I don't know. It, it's the type of deal where no, you don't care. I, I, here's the deal: if he is, why are we even doing this? If thing? he is anywhere near not ready, there is zero impact to him starting in the DL. The Orioles have nothing to lose by keeping him healthy. Mm. So if I had to, if I had to handicap it, I would say he doesn't start this season uh, with the club if for no other reason then, you know, there's no sense in him hurting himself for the 2019 season. Uh, he'll get plenty of time. He'll get pr- plenty of, of chances this season. <laughs> Take some chances. Look at he'll that. get plenty of opportunities this season to see what he's got. Uh, there's there's no sense in him being anything less than his best. Uh, so if it does linger, then he'll start on the DL. All right. Uh, that's about it for Medical Wing. Do you want to go to 280 characters or less? Are we allowed to at this point? We're allowed to. Nothing else? I give you permission. Let's do it. This week on the Twitters. Right, this week on the Twitters. Let's go ahead and start. Well, Scotty, it's about time. This is a tweet that comes from Jeff Passan at Jeff Passan. MLB suggested sweeping changes to the minor leagues, including a potentially significant increase in salaries, better living conditions, and improved travel during a bargaining session with the group that oversees the minors, sources tell ESPN, with a link to the article. This is interesting to me. Uh, for many reasons. The first of which is that um, minor league baseball players are paid horrifically. Yep. Uh, secondly, though, there was just a news item saying that the Blue Jays were just going to summarily across the board raise the the pay for their minor leaguers. And I thought to myself, that's interesting. I wonder if that will catch on across the majors as a competitive edge, you know, sure. uh, for minor league free agents, for people that are going to uh, sign with the club, you know, out of the draft. Uh, is that a competitive advantage? Will this sweep across? But what's the deal here? Is is this a, a simple fact of the Blue Jays trying to get some good press knowing that this was coming? Was this a reaction to the Blue Jays? Or are they totally unrelated? Yeah, so, um, you know, based off of what my sources have told me, the Jays reached out to Dan Duquette. Uh, there was a conversation in regards to how the financial strategy should be going on. Um, All right, I deserve that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I mean... Yeah, it's great that, you know, a team is going forward and saying, you know what, our minor league baseball players are severely underpaid and we want to make a change for that. However, I'm the numbers guy. Do it. Uh, So the breakdown for Blue Jays players, and this actually comes from more than baseball at MTB underscore org. uh, And it goes as follows. Jake, uh, for AAA baseball players, they will be receiving a 40% increase to pay. Uh, which means that their monthly stipend goes from $2,250 to $3,050 per month. Uh, it's a means that they're going to be making on an annual basis $15,250 per season. Double uh, A is getting a 50% increase, which means they're going from $1,800 to $2,550, which means they're making $12,750 per season. And single A, they got a whopping 56% increase, which means they go from $1,400 to all the way up to $2,400 per month, which means they're clocking in at $12,000 per season. Yeah, but are these Canadian dollars? 
Uh, these are Canadian dollars, <laughs> uh, no question about it. But look, I, I'm glad to see uh, an increase occurring. But let's be honest here. Um, based off of uh, everything, uh, they're still being paid uh, well below the you know ability to uh, have a house, um, have decent food. I mean, there was individuals posting uh, this spring about folks doing like side jobs. Like there's one you know scout for a team that basically said so and so has decided to do Uber Eats this spring to basically get an understanding for how the food business works. And I'm like, no, the guy is you know literally doing Uber Eats so that he can basically pay his job as opposed to just relying on the money that you're paying him. And I know that we talked about this in a, in a previous season. The amount of money that a club would have to put up to give these guys a living wage is not a ton of money. I mean, across the entire minor league system. I, and again, I would have to, like you did, research our own show. But I, I think, think it was some, like, Six million dollars. Yeah, the number I was going to pull was seven. But yeah. let's just say for less than ten million dollars, right. you know, these guys wouldn't be eating out of the trash can. I, I hope that we get to that point. Ten million dollars is a lot for you and me, but for a baseball organization to treat its minor league players like human beings, yeah, it's, it's not that much of an expense. Uh, again, um, it's going to come down to the players' association is going to have to make a big enough stink about it, and ultimately, uh, the players' association is going to have to say. We want to take care of our young employees um, to kind of incentivize them to stick around and play with this game. I mean, we all got bent out of shape specifically with, you know, people saying, hey, I don't want to go in for baseball. I'm going to go ahead and move and go to the NFL draft. And people are just like, well, why are you doing that baseball? You can get paid a lot of money in baseball. But ultimately, yes, you get that huge signing bonus um, if you're a first-round draft pick. But if you're not a first-round draft pick, it's not that great. And? Yeah, If you were a football or a basketball player, in the minor league system, you get free room and board and a meal plan. Yeah. And, you know, a degree in basket weaving. Yeah. If that. All right. Next tweet. Uh, this is going to go into the category. So uh, what are we doing? This tweet comes from Do Joe Trezza. You can follow him at Joe Trez because apparently the A was too long. Uh, the hashtag Orioles new evaluators certainly wanted to assess the young outfielders this spring by cutting both the ones who excelled. Anthony Hayes and Anthony Santander and struggled DJ Stewart makes all the talk of the competition there feel pretty empty, at least at this juncture. Meh. 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 Listen, uh, I think it's much more important that they got the evaluations in as opposed to saying, let's rely on spring training stats to really dictate how we're going to make decisions. This is how we ended with Joey Rickards as opposed to Hunsu Kim's uh, making the opening day roster and having the better player potentially sit the bench. So uh, uh, do I think Joey Rickard now is a better option than Anthony Hay Austin Hayes? I don't. Um, I, I think Austin Hayes ultimately is going to be the better player on this team going forward. But it doesn't matter whether he starts now or in May or in June or whatever it is. And, and we'll get into that at a later point. The legend of Joey Rickard cannot be denied. No, the legend of Joey Rickard literally stealing spots from better players will never be forgotten. All right, next I want to go into a truly, truly brutal tweet that represents a truly brutal feeling. It's going to start with a tweet by the Orioles, who on March 17th, St. Patrick's Day, wish none other than Chris Davis a happy birthday by saying, happy birthday at Crush D19. To which there were a couple of replies. I'm just going to pick one at random. So you read the comments. <laughs> I read the comments. It's usually a mistake. It's always a mistake. But I'm going to go into a, a tweet from Brian Reed at BSHU president. 
Who tweets what is he follows? the president of? BSHU. What is that? I have no idea. Okay. Uh, <laughs> he got a pinata for his birthday, but they had to take it down after he kept swinging and missing. Woof. Here's why this is brutal. First of all, a sick burn. Second of all, this is what Chris Davis is now. He is a punchline to us, our fans. Oof, it's going to be a rough season. If, if, I love that I'm saying if, when he struggles this season, the torches and the pitchforks and the angry dogs are at the ready. The mobs are waiting to form for Chris Davis. And this is really a bummer because here's the thing. I just want to love Chris Davis. He seems like a decent dude. He has, at one point, in a very brief moment, played very good baseball. It would be great to be able to root for Chris Davis. But at this point, we're just waiting for the inevitable. We are just waiting for it to get so bad that the organization can no longer shield him from the cries of the angry mob. Yikes. I don't think you're putting this quite in perspective. First of all, it's an excellent idea. I'm thinking... (laughs) The Orioles are looking for promotion ideas, right? I'm thinking Chris Davis pinata night, $1 margaritas in the stands, and then Chris Davis comes out before the game about 15 minutes early. He's not going to play that night. He just comes out. They put a pinata right above home plate. He takes three swings, and then candy goes all across the field. Here's the next thing. Another giveaway? Yeah. Golden sombreros. I like it. I like it. Um, well, sure. Someone had to, and this next week comes from the Orioles. Brenton Hyde, Mr. Muppet, has announced Alex Cobb as our 2019 opening day starter. I had forgotten you're calling that. <laughs> Hashtag Birdland. I mean, I, I, I guess they had to pick somebody. I, I guess Alex Cobb is the best pitcher we have. I guess I'm okay with this. Sure, whatever. Doesn't matter. I miss Kevin Gossman. I hope that I hope that Alex Cobb is good. You know, he didn't have a fantastic uh, season last year. Here, here's hoping he's good. He, he hope he's okay. All right. I thought I was going to break the rules. But then there was a tweet about it, and so I can squeeze this into this week on the Twitters. So here's the tweet. Are you ready for this? Sure. This is from Reddit Orioles, at R underscore Orioles. And the tweet is as follows. I'm Gary Thorne, Orioles play-by-play announcer on Masson. Ask me anything. With a link to, yes, the Ask Me Anything with none other than Gary Thorne. Why is this important, you're asking? Why is this significant? Because buried in... The Ask Me Anything, with a couple of interesting questions uh, directed to uh, Gary Thorne. We got the definitive answer to the age-old question. What is the drunk Gary Thorne? The drunk Gary Thorne, of course, uh, an alcoholic beverage that we on this show have tried to perfect uh, for the perfect drink to partner with, to, to pair with Orioles baseball. The answer to the question is bourbon. Gary Thorne is a bourbon guy, and there's a lot here to unpack. His answer was, and this is the quote, I follow the kiss rule when it comes to drinks, so make it one ice cube and a finger of bourbon. How do we feel about the ice cube? I don't care. I'm not a big bourbon guy. Mm. I follow the kiss rule too, but it has nothing to do with, no, never mind. He also said that uh, he enjoys a nice cab, which I think falls more in line with the, uh, with the uh, uh, seductive Tommy Hunter. Oh, uh, yeah. You know, feel rather than, than drunk Gary Thorne. But this was incredible to me. We got the answer to the question. So this year, when we're trying to um, dull the pain yep. 
So when we can turn, when Thorn and Palmer are on the category, you just pop open a bourbon and drop a cube of ice in there. And uh, you just enjoy the magic that is Gary Thorne. You know, sometimes good things shouldn't change. And yet, here MLB is going ahead and uh, making changes to the beloved game that we all love. So, Jake, let's go ahead and overreact to it. Oh, wait, that's the second thing. Let's go ahead and discuss some of these MLB rule changes. All right, Jake. So MLB has announced a bunch of rule changes that are going to affect over the next couple of years that has been collectively bargained uh, a few weeks before the beginning of the year. And in addition, they're tinkering with a bunch of rule changes in the Independent Atlantic League. Uh, And let's be honest, I I guess change is inevitable. Um, You know, Rob Manfred has been talking about this forever, basically saying we're going to have to mix it up and get more people engaged and involved in our game. And often change is very good, but change in baseball has... But it was good things such as like breaking the color barrier or the ground rule double, uh, the designated hitter, uh, hitters that have over 200 strikeouts. Um, all good things that we enjoy on a day in and day out basis. But, you know, looking through the new rule changes, there are some excellent ones and some of them, well, some of them are not so great. So, Jake, you've gone ahead and broken these down into their various categories of the 2019 and 2020 changes and assigned a grade to them in typical Baltimoreans category uh, style here. So, Jake, let's go ahead and, and walk through these, and I'll tell you where you're right and where you're wrong. Sure. Well, let's just agree I'm going to be wrong yep. almost all the time. Yep. Um, before we start there, I'm dumb. Uh, the Independent Atlantic League, is that actually owned by Major League Baseball? I don't think so. Do they have some sort of partnership? Like, Why would the Atlantic League, if they're independent, be tinkering – as a laboratory for MLB rule changes. Because it gets people engaged with their product? And probably getting paid a fair amount of money by MLB to do it? Yeah. I'm okay. assuming there's some kind of arrangement here where money has been exchanged in dark alleys. Hmm. I, I mean, if anything... It's modern-day presidential. It gets people talking about the league and saying, hey, sure. maybe I'll go out there and take a look at this aspect of moving the mounds back or... You know, whatever other rules are being changed. You know what would uh, get interest even more? Sure. Signing Ricky Henderson back. Mm, That's true. I really would rather just see Mark Hendrickson again. You know that that's got to be where Ichiro goes next, right? Nah, Ichiro's done after this. Stop it. You shut your mouth. He's going to play for it. May he play forever. He'll be done. He'll be done in the next month. All right. All right. So here are the rules that are taking effect this year for 2019. First, the trade deadline elimination of the waiver trade period. The waiver trade period will be eliminated. Uh, The July 31st trade deadline will be the only deadline. Players can still be uh, placed and claimed on outright waivers after uh, July 31st, but trades will no longer be permitted after that date. So I think this is an excellent change. Uh, The concept of being able to trade some players after the published trade deadline, but not others, so long as you jump through a bunch of uh, ridiculous hoops that most people don't understand anyway, is confusing at best and annoying. Uh, it also makes for an anticlimactic trade deadline. 
now the trade deadline means something. And if you don't make your, you know, the moves to make your team better, you miss your opportunity. So uh, maybe this will inject a sense of urgency and drama into the trade deadline. But more often, it'll just end the silliness of the waiver trade deadline period. So I'm giving this one an A. This gets an A for me. I think it's a a no-brainer. Okay. Um, I agree. Um, Not having to have to deal with the whole aspect of, I'm confused, did it actually go through? And not to mention, too, there's been, you know, in August, a lot of, well, we're going to let this guy go past just so Mm -hmm. that everyone, and there's this rules of engagement and agreement. Ultimately... If we want to make the trade deadline as competitive as possible, especially with the wild card and the Orioles are not part of this, this puts everyone into a better position to be very active and very competitive going up to July 31st, not saying, let's wait till August to see if we really want to move all our pieces in. I also think it's interesting. Well, we'll we'll get we'll get to this point in a few minutes. Put a pin in that. Okay. All right, next rule, the All-Star Game voting process. Uh, Fan voting will now be conducted in two rounds, a primary round that mirrors the All-Star voting that we all know and love, Um, and then an election day in which the top three vote-getters at each position uh, in each league will will be voted in by fans um, in some system that will be determined later. Okay, I'm actually fine with this change. There's nothing wrong with it, and it seems that this is a change designed to allow fans to interact with the sport via probably social media. The All-Star Game is an event for the fans, so trying to spice up their engagement in the voting is, I think, a plus. So I, I give this a solid B+. Plus. Yeah, the the only issue they have with this one is the process of superdelegates. Um, I, I really don't <laughs> think that superdelegates should be having the role and uh, influence specifically. In no, 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 no. See, only the American League has superdelegates. The National League doesn't have that system. Uh, you are right. Um Look, I, I just think that ultimately, um, if we're going to favor um, one individual over the other, then what's the whole point of the process? I mean, why even have uh, this given primary round, as it were? When you say one person over the other, you mean that Vladimir Putin is going to pick the All-Stars? I am. Okay. Uh, next. Also, let's stick with the All-Star game. New extra innings procedures. Okay. Starting in the 10th inning, All-Star games that go to extra innings will begin with a runner on second base. Incorrect. This is a terrible idea. I no. I'm already ending this. It's a terrible idea. Okay. I, I'm going to give it a C plus. Here's why. Okay. I agree it with you. It says C minus here. Oh. Well, that's Let me, fine. That's a smudge on my screen. Oh, it is a smudge. Let's, let's, uh, that's a C minus. Yes, you are correct. I, is that a smudge or something else? Horrifically stupid yeah. in a real game. Okay. But harmless in an all-star game. Here's the thing. If we're doing All-Star Game and nothing really matters. Sure. Which it doesn't. Nothing matters anymore for the All-Star Game. It's just for fun. The the games are made up and the rules don't matter. Right. Uh, why the heck are we not doing Home Run Derby to end the game? Mm. Why are we Like not, a shootout. Why are we not literally saying, I'm calling this pitcher out, this pitcher out, and I'm calling this hitter out, and we say, we're going to throw 10 pitches, and whoever hits the ball over the fence first wins the game. That's a really good idea. It would be awesome this just got a d minus yeah your your idea is way better or i'll give you one better for this one i i I, I don't think so but go ahead i still like the home run derby aspect but instead of us calling a pitcher out what if we call the respective coach out to the mound (laughs) and say the national league coach has to come out and pitch to the american league hitter and the american league coach needs to come out and pitch to what about a recently retired player from each league oh like a delegated like yeah extra innings so they basically come out of the stands and they go from there yeah all right i'm liking this yeah i'm liking this so instead of like the final man what if the fans get to pick the retired extra innings player i think this is i think this has got merit i think this has got merit 
All right, let's go to our next rule. Uh, sticking with the All-Star game, well, the All-Star weekend, the home run derby money. Yeah. Uh, total prize money has been increased to $2.5 million, and the winner now gets a $1 million. I don't even remotely care what the winner of the home run derby gets, but I, I guess that the reason that this is being made is so that the biggest stars are enticed to participate. If that's the case, I mean, I guess it's good. The home run derby is something that I mean, I'm personally bored by, but I think it's great for the sports, especially for younger fans. I'm not sure if I've ever watched a home run derby in its entirety. That probably has a lot to do with the uh, whoa, Chris whoa, Berman whoa, whoa. Let's, let's back up a second here. You didn't watch home run derbies like during like the 90s and the 2000s when everyone was steroided up? In its entirety? No. Oh, my gosh. You didn't watch it when like Griffey was going in, at Camden Yards? In its entirety? Yeah. No. Oh, jeez. Folks, uh, I know there are other folks out of you out there that would watch home run derbies during the 90s and 2000s uh, in its entirety. Please point out on Twitter that Jake is missing out. I gave this a B. I think it's a good move. This is an A plus. This okay. is a great aspect. This is uh, a situation where it's offering the ability for young players who, again, may be making, you know, maybe $500,000, an opportunity to literally double their salary by coming out and basically participating in their first three years. I love this move. I love the million dollar paycheck. Uh, I, I love it. I think it's a great idea. And ultimately, it furthers my proof of there's a ton of money in Major League Baseball. Why can't we pay the minor league players a little bit better? Here's an idea. Yeah. Going to improve this. Okay. Give the winner a million dollars. Do it. Yeah. But pick a section, pick a seat, pick an object somewhere that is, you know, the hit it here money ball. That would be awesome. So it's like... Everybody gunning for the same spot in the ballpark. So now you're going to tell me that you didn't watch MTV Jock Jam, where they pulled out the money ball. <laughs> that I watched. Okay. Because <laughs> I was thinking, what if they just pull out the money ball at the very end and they say, if you can head it into this section, it's 10 times the original amount. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Yeah, money shot's great. Uh, wait, I did that wrong. Yeah. All right, next rule. Mound visits down from six to five. The maximum number of mound visits per team will be reduced from six to five per game. Um, this is where the, the MLB starts to lose me. I don't think that the number of mound visits uh, was in any way important last year. I know that they introduced the rule. It was six mound visits. I, I'm not really sure I noticed it, and I'm not sure that any team was really impacted in any of the games I watched, both positively or negatively. I'm not, I, I don't, I can't remember the coaching staff being unable to communicate with their pitcher because of this rule the way they used to. But, but, this is about pace of play. And I'm pretty dead set against those changes. This is an instance where the sport has taken to trying to solve a problem that it doesn't have by making new problems it does have. The NFL has turned a 60-minute game into a three-hour spectacle of cheerleaders, cheerleaders, replay, and beer commercials. Baseball's problem is not its length, it's how you fill the three hours of entertainment that matters. The answer is not less baseball, it's better baseball. It's more accessible baseball. And baseball is a game of strategy, and at some point reducing the number of mound visits will impact the team's ability to strategize. Now maybe I'm making a mountain out of a molehill here, but I am sounding the alarm bell. This is the start of the descent down a slippery slope. My grade is E. So the way this is going to work is we're just going to keep counting the, the given amount of mountain visits, correct? Mm -hmm. All right. So uh, I'm just trying to figure this out. So there's going to be one mountain visit. There's going to be two mountain visits. 
God, I'm having a really tough time here. So it'll be kind of like this. One, two, five. Lisa, three. Yes. Okay. Just want to nice. make sure. Very just nice. want to make sure. I, am I insane here? I, I don't think this is a big deal. I think this is a... Okay. Is five not a big deal, but will four be? What about three? What's the right number? I, I feel like this is a grade that you get for like elementary school art class where it's like they have to give you a grade but doesn't really matter like it it doesn't matter whether it's six or five or three or whatever it is just just play the game and it's not that big of a deal it's just it's something else to put up on the scoreboard that gives people saying oh look it just changed it's like yeah okay okay it just changed yeah no big deal okay all right next rule inning breaks less time between innings Subject to discussions with broadcast partners. Ha, ha, ha. Inning breaks will be reduced from 2 minutes and 5 seconds to 2 minutes in local games and from 2 minutes and 25 seconds to 2 minutes in national games. The commissioner's office retains the rights to further reduce breaks to a minute and 55 seconds in local and national games for the start of the 2020 season. Now, this is another attempt to speed up the game, but it's far less impactful to the game itself. This will make it harder for WB Mason to impress me with how much I don't care about their products and services. But as a fan watching or listening at home, this will improve my experience and it will limit what the MLB tries to do between the lines. So I'm for that. But this does not improve the experience of the ballpark. Less time between innings makes it tougher to get in and out of the restroom without missing game action, particularly if you have kids. It makes lines at the concession stands much more impactful. Not sure that either of those things are a big deal, particularly with the big screens, or I'm sorry, with the screens available at Camden Yards and other ballparks, but it does change the dynamic. So I give this one an easy C. Again, doesn't hurt the on the field product. It may change the ballpark experience. This is a giant F for me. Okay. Uh, and for one reason and one reason only. Uh, Jake, um, when the time system came about for 205, we noted at the time uh, that it would be very interesting to see how this impacted the seventh inning stretch. And thank God I'm a country boy. Still survives to this day. But I will point out there has been multiple times we've been at a game where thank God I'm a country boy has been abruptly cut off without getting to a conclusion. It needs about another like 10 seconds and then it would see complete conclusion. Jake, with another five seconds cut off of this, I think they're trying to take away John Denver from Baltimore Orioles fans. Now, see, here's the thing. My heart is already dead, sir. Okay. Because the inning breaks used to be long enough that they would finish not only Thank God I'm a Country Boy, but they would have an auxiliary seventh inning stretch True. song, which was? The Beatles. Twist and Shout. Yep. So, Jake, here's a question for you. Um, the reduction now is going to two minutes, and it's probably going to go to a minute 55 as per next season. Mm -hmm. Jake, uh, are there any Beatles songs under two minutes? And yeah, go. absolutely. I can't think of any off the top of my head. Uh, for no one is pretty sure, but that's not necessarily a, uh, a ballpark song. Yeah. yeah. Uh, let me come back to you on this one. You think about that for the rest of this episode, because okay? I think it took them until about 1965 to get to a song that was above three minutes. So there are plenty. Well, they were young and they were quick. So <laughs> I'm... Just, gonna, just sitting around doing whatever they were doing. Why don't we do it in the road is clearly under two minutes. I can do this. Okay. Uh, we'll, we'll think of something. You keep thinking I'll, about I'll this. I'll come back to you. You know, what, you know what? Why don't we turn out the lights and we'll just, you know, circle up and, and figure this out. We'll, we'll stroke it out. All right. We'll be like Renato Nunez and have some right arm strain. 
Those are the 2019 <laughs> changes. Let's talk about the 2020 rule changes. This is where stuff gets crazy. Okay. All right. First one, active roster. The active roster will change from 25 players to 26, 27, or 28. Stay with me on this one. Okay. All right. They're going to increase the roster size from opening day to August 31st from 25 to 26. Okay. They are going to change the roster size for doubleheaders from 26 to 27. Okay. So it's an extra man. And here's where things get awesome. The 40-man active roster for September will be eliminated. From September 1st through the end of the regular season, all clubs will carry 28 players. Hmm. This was the point I was going to get back to before. The the separate season that Buckshaw Walter mentioned starting from September 1st will cease to be. Okay. Now, a committee will decide how many pitchers versus position players can be on the roster. So I I think this is great. I don't think there's anything wrong necessarily with the 25-man roster, but the 40-man roster is a little dumb. It's a little dumb. I, I just mentioned the the Buck Showalter thing. Maybe you get to to you know see some players that you don't normally get to see. But to Buck's point, you're not watching the same game. You're not watching the same thing. Teams can coast if they're far enough ahead, and teams don't have to field a major league roster if they're far enough behind. I don't think there's anything wrong with adding a player or three compared to what we we're used to, and saying you know what. You are what you are. Finish out the rest of the season. So for me, I, I think that this is uh, an A. It gets an A for me. Yeah, I would also give this an A as well. Um, you know, it, it is a shame that maybe we some organizations won't see so much of a turnaround in terms of giving people a promotion. But in reality, teams are smart enough now to know that it's starting the service time contract as it is. Mm-hmm. So they're not just going to say, we're going to go ahead and promote you to the major league roster because – Ultimately, it just means they're going to have to pay them money eventually. And as we've covered throughout this podcast, we don't like to play players' money. All right, next. The uh, active roster, again, limitation on position players pitching. Now, here's the deal. Position players cannot pitch except for the following conditions. One, they are designated as a two-way player for which there are all sorts of conditions. Like 20 starts or something like that. Like some A certain re- number of innings. I, yeah, don't, I don't know what it something, is. Something ridiculous where it almost makes it impossible. Right. Um, extra innings. They're allowed to, to pitch a, a position player. Or the team is either up or down by more than six runs. Okay? A blowout in either direction. Okay. Okay? Here's the deal. That last condition is where they completely lost me. Yeah. I'm not sure that this was a real problem. Were there too many cases of position players pitching in games that weren't blowouts or extra innings? There was a ton last year, more so than any other season. Really? Yes. Okay. So they're solving one problem on one hand by increasing the number of players available on the active roster and doing this? Well, well, let's go back to the the question that was made before we start going off the rails. You said— how often did this really happen? Was this a big deal? And I said, yes, this has happened more so than any other time last season. But was it a big deal? No, it wasn't a big deal. It's fun to see yes. individuals come in and pitch that are absolutely horrible. All right. I can understand if this is a move that was requested by the Players Association for safety. All right. I totally can. Think back to 2012 before Chris Davis was a waste of a roster spot and $161 million. 
Chris Davis is an up and coming player who, sure. unbeknownst to us, has 138 RBI, 50, 53 home run season ahead of him. Are you and, Jose Cansecoing this podcast? And he is throwing in Fenway Park. Yeah. As his agent, I would be furious. As an Orioles fan, you, I can't you stand up. Yeah. Right? So six to midnight, as it were. Absolutely. Yeah. This gets an F for me. This is awful. This is beyond the pale. Don't take away weird baseball. So here's my question. Um, you know, if a position player is coming in, you know, typically um, it's going to fill into category number three, where a team is either up or sure. down by by six runs. By a butt ton. But yeah. But I would come back and ask the question, if it's a situation where, oh, I don't know, maybe you're 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 down by five runs and you're just like, yeah, we really don't want to do anything next inning or we want to get this ready. What prevents you from just bringing in a pitcher and saying, I'm going to intentionally walk the bases and don't even have to bring anybody, just go touch my hand and say, I'm going to do this four times. I'm going to go ahead and score that six run. Oh, and now I'm bringing my position player in. I'm sure there would be a very nasty letter from the commissioner of baseball about this. But ultimately, it comes back down to what I'm you just, asked for this. I'm following the letter of the law. Yeah. Like the spirit may not be applied, but I'm following the letter of the law. Um, you know, when you have to put so many caveats on things, it ultimately just means it's a bad decision. Um, I think ultimately this comes back down to if it is a situation where it is being abused by a manager or a team uh, consistently, mm-hmm. um, I think that's a situation where the Players Association and the Commissioner of Baseball step in, have a conversation with the manager and say, uh, this no longer happens. Sure. If it happens, uh, we will be fining you due to player safety and integrity. I think that there are plenty of times in which the conversation of this is not good for our game happens. Right. Right. Here's a situation like when a position player has come in to pitch and you've got fans in the stands, do those fans in the stands seem bored or are they all standing on their feet, cheering and clapping and laughing their butts off? How often do does ESPN and MLB Network go Great. cut to players, or position players pitching? Right. We all love it. We yeah. all love it. All right. Uh, next. Did you know that Eacher is pitching in the opening Stop day? Stop it. You're, <laughs> you're hurting my feelings, Scott. <laughs> all right. Next, we've got, this is the one that really has me fired up. Three batter minimums for pitchers. Mm-hmm. Pitchers must pitch either to a minimum of three batters or to the end of a half inning with exceptions for incapacitating injury or illness. Not not factored in there is incapacitating suck or, as I like to call it, the Kevin Gregg. Sure. Um, I hate this. Okay. Now, it is sometimes annoying to see teams unnecessarily run through a parade of relief pitchers. Now, let me show my bias here. I hate it, especially when the Yankees do this. In my view, uh, relief. My views of relief pitching have really evolved over the years. In late in late innings, the stakes raise. No matter what you want to say, right? When it gets to be seventh, eighth inning, suddenly the volume is turned up. I love the fact that we have high leverage, high octane battles in the late innings. Managers have the ability to put their best pitchers for the situation up against the hitter, be that the starter, be that the pinch hitter, whatever. The pressure is suddenly on. The drama is high. It's chess. It's move for move. Oh, you're going to bring in the left-handed hitter? I'm going to bring in the fireballer. Good luck. He only has to throw three pitches, but he's going to get your best guy, and the score is going to stay exactly where it is. But you know what? Let's eliminate that. 
I'm double parked. Let's watch some somewhat less exciting baseball. That's much better. That will definitely make sure that the kids that the commissioner thinks are not watching baseball, that'll absolutely make sure that they, they watch. This gets an F from me. All right. So I understand this. I understand why you're coming from this. But let's be honest. Um, switching batters in terms of minimum of three batters is not happening in high-octane situations. It's not happening in the eighth inning. It's not happening in the ninth inning. It's happening in the fourth to the sixth inning when the Baltimore Orioles starter is no longer able to go deep into the game. Um, I don't see this as that big of a deal. I, I see this as a situation where um, a, a pitcher comes in and you see two pitchers up at the very beginning of the inning and you're just like, well, they're going to bring in the lefty and then they're going to bring in the righty. I, I, I don't I don't think this is a big deal. I, I think that this is ultimately just being blown out of proportion. And the fact of the matter is, this is something that speeds up the game. This is something that, again, we don't have to have a commercial break. Uh, we don't have to have um, an individual kind of rearrange the signs. Ultimately, I think this saves us maybe five minutes per game. I think it's a big deal. Um, and I, I like the move. Um, and I, I really don't think it's that much of an issue. If we have a really good relief pitcher, he's not going to get pulled out. Do you think Zach Britton would have got pulled out in a high-octane situation and be like, sorry, Zach, they're bringing up the righty. We're going to have to go out and uh, bring Tommy Hunter in. No, it's not going to happen. Is the difference between a three-hour game and a two-hour and 55-minute game worth this? Yeah, it is. In this case, yeah. Oh, no way. Yeah, it's not that big of a deal. Why Why would a team bother to have a Zach Britton and to have an Andrew Miller and to have a, whoever the third guy might be? Darren O'Day? That guy? No, I'm still mad at him for not being an Oriole and being older than me. Okay. My point is... Again, we're talking about probably six-inning kind of bullpen management all right if if your if your original supposition that this is happening earlier and earlier is true i would be fine with this rule that says prior to the seventh inning this is the case Mm -hmm. but my point is that the end of the game can be managed right now in a very particular way okay and this rule destroys that I bet you that if we came back and did a distribution curve going in 2020 to take a look at this, I guarantee that the bell curve would really be around 6th and 7th, and there'd be very few of this kind of minimum of three batters being enforced in 8th and ninth innings. If you say so. If you say so. I'd be very surprised. I don't think this is that big of a deal. And in fact, uh, I think ultimately it comes back down to it's the death of the loogie. But the Lugie's already been dead for several seasons as it is. Sure. So I don't think it's that big of a deal. I think you hate baseball. Um, all right. Let's take a I look. I do at- hate baseball now. As, <laughs> per, as per me watching the 2018 season, I absolutely hate, hate no, I baseball. Think, I think baseball hates us. Yes. All right. Last, last, uh, last rule for 2020. Roster moves. The minimum injured list uh, and minor league assignment lengths have changed or will change in 2020. Uh, the minimum time a player stays on the injured list will be increased back to 15 days from the 10 it, it sets at now. And the minimum assignment period for a pitcher who is optioned uh, to the minors will increase from 10 days to 15 days. Um, sure, fine. 
whatever. Uh, this apparently is a move to ensure that teams can't simply rotate healthy pitchers and fresh pitchers on and is off. Is this like leap year almost? Like, is this a leap year rule? Because it's 2020. I, does it go back in four years, back to 10 days? And then in four years later, it goes back to 15 days? Like, I don't just know. make up your mind. It's not that big of a deal. Here's the thing, though. The write-up from MLB.com says that the consequence of this rule and the fact that teams can't just bring in new fresh arms will mean that there are fewer pitching changes. And I think I've said my piece on the pitching change business. Yeah, I'm not buying this. This one gets a C from me. Yeah, I'm not buying this one. I mean, maybe for a team like the Orioles, who have got a bunch of players that can be optioned, but uh, I don't see it. Look, change is not always bad. Some of these rules were phenomenal. I don't like when they mess with the the uh, game between the lines to try to solve a problem that is made up and social, right? The perception of baseball versus the actual playing of baseball. You know, I, I do not I do not disagree with the fact that games used to be shorter, right? Two hours, two and a half hours. Now they're closer to three, almost all of them. It's not just the Yankees versus the Red Sox. Sure. I get that. But we'll invest three hours worth of time in football. Okay? You you think that you can't compete with football? I think you can. I think you can because I love this sport. And if you do this right, you can make other people love this sport. What is my argument? My eight-year-old. My eight-year-old who, like other eight-year-olds, has the attention span of a spoon loves baseball. If you can reach that fan, it doesn't matter that the game is a little bit longer than it used to be. That's all. So Jake, now that we have these 2019, 2020 rules, how about this? How about we make some rule changes for the 2019 Orioles to make them a little bit more interesting? Oh, I like this. Cause, cause they need, they need to be interesting. So, Jake, we were talking about mound visits as being a, a point of contention. Sure. Um, so, Jake, how about this? Um, during each mound visit by the Orioles, beer in the stadium will be reduced by $1. I like this. I like this. Now, I don't want to ruin your list because I haven't seen your list. Sure. So stop me if I, if I wander into dangerous territory. They should fix the beer price to the score. To the Orioles score? Yeah. Well, to the deficit in comparison. So they'll pay us. The Orioles fall too far behind the other team, Mm -hmm. and beer becomes less expensive. Hmm. Or the Orioles get so far ahead of the other team. So this is like the Papa John's discount promotion, but with beer. Yeah. Okay. Interesting. Interesting. Um, Jake, do you have one or you want to take the next one? Please. And you know what? I did all of the, the Major League Baseball rules. And frankly, you have better ideas than MLB. You take them. I'll let you know how you did. Well, Jake, we were talking about the uh, MLB All-Star Game Home Run Derby. So, Jake, uh, you know, tater bombs are Mm -hmm. pretty Mm -hmm. much commonplace at Camden Yards. They used to be. Um, No, I mean, by the opposing team. So at this, going into the 2019, uh, I'm going to propose that Camden Yards, opposing teams may elect to have their dads pitch to them instead of Orioles pitchers. Uh, No, no. I, I don't think any of them would take it. I think most players would feel that they would be at a disadvantage versus Orioles uh, versus their dad compared to what they would get from the Orioles pitchers. We like to give options. Uh, Jake, this is be call, being called the crush effect. Um, apparently, it's in regard to some diplomacy play or something like that. Um, 
it indicates that if Chris Davis hits against the shift, um, the ground rule automatically covers it to be yielded as an inside the park home run. I think that's fair. Okay, I think it's fair. Uh, Jake, this uh, this next rule is, is an interesting one. Uh, it relates to uh, one of our favorite decadent desserts, uh, pies. Uh, I believe those are PAs, but PAs. go ahead. All right. Okay. Well, uh, Jake, evidently uh, the winning team uh, will be gifted pies at Cannon Yards to throw in their respective players' faces. So there will need to be no Baltimore bombs this year uh, served at Cannon Yards. That sounds dangerously delicious dangerously delicious and and jake i have one last one um and it's whenever the orioles are up it is um behooving of the manager of the baltimore orioles to uh wave his hands up in the air like flailing kermit uh during the game (laughs) i i'm looking forward to this season for no other reason that I expect your gift game to be strong. My gift game is strong. I've deleted all my Buck Showalter gifts and just replaced them all with Muppet gifts at this point. At some point, at some point, you're going to have to treat it. You know, write a treatise as to why Brandon Hyde, in your eyes, is a Muppet. I, I don't need the answer now. I want you to work on this. Okay. I need you to write it out for us. Uh, Bird's Eye View blog. Uh, you know, on the site. I need you to at some point. We have a blog. We used to. Okay. I need you to inform us and as we to got why, <laughs> why Brandon Hyde is a Muppet of a man. He's a Muppet of a man. All right. Uh, spring training is still going on. What? There's Orioles news out Where? there. And you know what? It's time for us to make some gross overreactions that we're good for here at Birds. What did I just do? Um, yeah, that's a good point. Um, let's do that all over again. Sports fans are famous for completely overact- overreacting to even the slightest news. See... Sports fans? Well, people. People. Don't read the comments, whatever you do. Uh, see Bird's Eye View uh, 2012 through 2018. You know, I was watching Saturday Night Live on Saturday night, even though it was a rerun, and I decided to go ahead on Twitter and post something. Really? Yeah. Watching that. Snowflake. Yeah. Uh, since there's not really much coming out of spring training... Make reruns great again. At the moment, we're going to scrape what we can off the bottom of this bucket and do our best emoting for you, Bird's Eye View listener, for you. So, Scott, poop let's emoji, do, poop emoji, poop emoji. Let's do it this way. Okay. Uh, let's give the news item and then let's give the overreaction. Okay. News item. Adam Jones to the Diamondbacks. Yikes. All right. Here's the thing. We knew it was going to happen. We knew it was done from the moment he went out by himself and the fans got to share that last moment with him on the final day of the season. We knew Adam Jones was not coming back. Sure, we we told ourselves maybe there's a chance. We hoped. We knew. Even though we knew it was going to happen, it still sucked when he signed with the Diamondbacks. Look, two things have come out of this. First, People are starting to talk about Adam Jones and his number being retired. Second, people are starting to talk about whether or not Adam Jones has expressed his love enough 
for the, the Baltimore Orioles fans, for the city of Baltimore, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Let's, let's take both in turn. First, Adam Jones is a great Oriole. He represented an Oriole, uh, an era of Oriole greatness, and he did it splendidly. The home run he hit in the eighth inning of the Cal Statue game says it all. This time is different. This is a winning club. This is not going to be like it was. I cannot love the play of Adam Jones more. But you know what? He does not deserve a statue. He does not deserve to have his number retired. He's not an Orioles and MLB Hall of Famer. That's the, that, that is the standard that has been set. He's great, but only to a point. He's a great Oriole. Let's leave it at that. I agree with you. Okay. I, I, I completely agree. Retiring the number, not possible. Statue, nope, not going to happen. However, I do have one idea. I'm listening. Uh, so obviously we know about Oriole's reach. Sure. And obviously we know about the kind of commitment that uh, they do in the community and stuff like that. I do think that it would be interesting for the Orioles to kind of pay homage and say, hey, we're going to make an award to a local charity and call it the Adam Jones you know, Community Award. And basically as a tip of the cap to kind of all the money that has been done, we're going to go ahead and do that. Um, I think that would be a really kind of nice offer from the team that's yeah. kind of under the radar a little bit, but kind of, kind of again, solidifies his name out there. Um, and, and, you know, I think it's equally to, you know, a similar aspect to some of the minor league awards that are given out on uh, on an annual basis. So, and, and Jones loved the Boys and Girls Club, right? Like, why not partner with the Boys and Girls Club and be like, you know what, Jones, this was important to you. We are going to make an annual Adam Jones, you know, contribution to the Boys and Girls Club. Yeah. I do have one other idea, right. and I think... The charitable donation is a really easy one, but I also think a really good one too would be, um, you know, now that we're entering into, uh, let's say a sector of sadness, uh, in terms of the Orioles players, uh, obviously good alliteration there, but yeah, uh, obviously we know in the past, the Orioles have done uh, a fan section where they basically have invited local fans or local young fans to come in and basically sit in a section that'll be called like Davis's crushers or whatever it may be. What if a given, Hardy's heroes? Right. What if a given section was selected, and they said this is going to be the Adam Jones community section, and we're going to invite individuals to sit in the section, similar to the Orange Sea with like the home runs by uh, Cal Ripken and Eddie Murray? What if an upper deck section is designated off as saying this is going to be the Adam Jones section, or more importantly, what if they designate a section in the outfield bleachers right behind center field and say? These three rows are going to be the community section where we're going to have local fans come in and basically spend a little time in center field. Why isn't baseball at large listening to you? My God, man. My God, man. All right. Uh, I'm, my, an idea, I'm an idea, man. My ideas are not anywhere near as good as yours, but hear me out on this one. Yeah. Uh, people are talking about retiring Adam Jones's number, which is absurd. 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 But I do understand it. We want to pay homage to the player that we have grown to love. Mm -hmm. I get it. And here's why I get it. Because I am of the age that I loved Brian Roberts. Okay. I was explaining the 2005 season to my son, again, eight, on a car ride the other day. And I realized that it just, it wasn't connecting for him, right? Because he didn't see what I saw. I loved watching Brian Roberts play. He was the only good thing in a ton of crappy, 
crappy years. Yeah. And so when number one went to Jameel Weeks, when number one went to Alexi Casilla, he did wear one, didn't he? I think so. That hurt. Yeah. It, it was it was jarring to watch. How about this? It was almost like sliding into someone's leg and getting a concussion. <laughs> How about this? I'm going to ignore that and move on. The Orioles have made it clear that they will take numbers out of rotation yeah. without retiring them. Number seven, I don't know if it'll ever be worn again, right? But it's not retired mm-hmm. because Calvin Sr. is not, an or, uh, not a Major League Baseball Hall of Famer. What if for a player like Adam Jones, they said, you know what? We are not retiring number 10. We're just going to put it on the shelf for a minute. Mm. We're going to give it three seasons and nobody else will wear number 10 until more fans are over this. I think that is a sign of respect. It doesn't break the, the you know, Hall of Fame rule. I think that could be cool. You know what? Adam Jones, thank you for everything you've done. We didn't offer you a contract. You're not back. But, yes, they should do all the charity things you said. And you know what? Number 10 is in timeout for a little while. Yeah, I mean, I, I get what you're saying. Um, I, I honestly don't think we can basically come back and say, oh, well, we we can't do that because I had a fond memory in my heart. If, if that was the case, then your brother would want Jeff Conine's number retired for the Baltimore Orioles. Ultimately, this, this comes back to the point of it's time – you know, to move on and just say it is what it is. And yeah, it's sad, but ultimately it's the end of an error and we just need to move past it. All right. Now I don't want to subtweet him. So I'm going to, I'm going to mention him by name. Tony Pente from uh, Orioles hangout.com went off on Twitter saying that Adam Jones uh, did not take out a full page ad to say goodbye to the fans of Baltimore, like Nick Markakis. And I just want to say for the record, that that is the dumbest thing you could possibly say about Adam Jones. The dumbest thing. Look, Jones was prickly at times. Jones may not have liked the way that his time in Baltimore ended. He may have had a bit of a falling out with the organization when he thought that he was, uh, you know, coming back or should come back. Say what you want. But you cannot say that Adam Jones didn't do all the things off the field that a player is supposed to do. You cannot say that Adam Jones did not make his mark on the fan base, in the community, and you can't beat him up because he didn't do this thing that you think has to happen from players who are leaving a team. Would it have been nice if he had done some grand gesture for the fans? Maybe. But frankly, the grand gesture that Adam Jones gave me as an Orioles fan took place from the time the Eric Bedard trade happened to the last game of the 2018 season and in all of the off seasons in between. So you know what? For Tony Penty and any other fan who wants to now flip an attitude with Adam Jones, like, oh, what have you done for me lately? He did plenty on and off the field. And I'm satisfied with that. So Jake, um, you're an old man, right? Yeah. Okay. Uh, you get a daily subscription to the Baltimore Sun, correct? No. Hmm, imagine that. Yeah, this is ridiculous. This is old school mentality. And I will come to Tony Pente's kind of a little bit of an aid because he never completely said, I'm judging Adam Jones. He just said, I think it's interesting. Here's the problem with this. It's like saying, huh, that guy's walking interesting. 
you sound like a dick. <laughs> Even if you're not trying to be like, it's like, it's like, no, no, no. I didn't mean anything by that. I was just, I was just mainly just talking it out loud. It's like, no, as soon as it ac- exits your mouth. <laughs> it's got a little itches. Giddy up. Yeah. As soon as it exits your mouth or you have typed it out, uh, you basically have cast yourself as this idiot. So sometimes, sometimes it's important to know when just to be quiet and when <laughs> it's important not to just write. Because if you don't know that, then you become Australian and you become Dan Clark. Listeners, this is, I, don't, I don't care if you're entertained. This is the second week in a row that Scott has made me cry laughing. All right, next news item. Yeah. Dylan Bundy continues to throw up tater bombs. Jake, overreaction. There are folks that are claiming that Dylan Bundy is done, that it's going to be another season, just like he finished the second half of the season, where he is going to lead the league in home runs. Um, and he's pretty much irreparable at this point. Jake, I'm not really to make that declaration yet. I think that it's going to be a rough season for Dylan Bundy. I don't think it's going to be ace-like stuff. But I also don't think it's going to be a situation where Dylan Bundy is going to um, lead the league in giving up home runs. Um, do I think he's going to flirt with potentially an upwards of 5 ERA? Yeah, it's possible. I think it's going to be closer to like 4.5 to 4.7. But um, I don't think Dylan Bundy in any manner is close to being done at this time. Do you know what I think would help Dylan Bundy? Sure. Being traded. Mm. Like the Kevin Gossman. Yeah. I almost said being traded to Atlanta, but I, I didn't want to be too heavy-handed. Yeah. Um, here's the thing. He will never be what we hoped he would be when he was drafted. Sounds familiar. Right? He will never be that. Sometimes it doesn't work out. Dylan Bundy is a decent to good pitcher in this league, and on a good team would be welcome. I'd say he's a average pitcher, and after all the injuries that he had, um, many folks from a prospecting ranking no longer listed him as an ace, but listed him as, at best, he could be a number two starter. And I think that category still applies, that at best, he could be a number two starter. But more than likely, we need to be looking at Dylan Bundy as that number four starter going forward and saying, if he could float out there and give us a 1.5 to 2.5 war season, yeah, we'd take that in a heartbeat. Let me ask you this. Who gets paid, not who has more value, Mm -hmm. who gets paid more in this league? Number four starters or lights out closers? Well, um, concerned that Gio Gonzalez just got a minor league deal with the New York Yankees, uh, I'm going to have to go with lights out closers. On a good club. Yeah. Not the Orioles. If someone else had drafted Dylan Bundy and had the trouble that we have had with him, do you think that he would be a player that would be turned into a late inning reliever who could turn it loose and access that ridiculous heat that he had at the beginning of his career, again, before Tommy John surgery, mm-hmm. but access that heat for a short period of time versus trying to get fourth starter stuff out of him? I mean, he is at the elderly age of 26 years old. Fair. Uh, I don't think it's time for us to quite give up on it. I mean, if we want to say at age 28, all right, it's time to start maybe moving him to the bullpen, that's fine. But ultimately... I see 2019 and 2020 as still years that he can still show being that third to fourth starter. And ultimately, I will take a third to fourth starter over a lights-out closer any day because ultimately, 
people get paid a lot of money to go get a third and fourth starter if they can sustain talent. I don't know if Dylan Bundy can sustain talent. That's that's the only concern I have. Sure. All right. Here's the news item. I need you to overreact. Okay. News item. Austin Hayes has been cut from the Orioles. He's been is it reassigned? Is that was that the euphemism in spring training? Anyway, he's been sent to the minors in spring training. So you want me to overreact here? Yeah. God, John Bitt! Yeah! Can't believe this! What are they doing? What are you doing, Mike Elias? God! Wah! Ah! Yeah, whatever. It's not a big deal. <laughs> um, yeah. is, that what, is that what you're looking for? That's what I was looking for. Okay. That's exactly it. Because that's basically how Orioles Twitter reacted when they posted the news. Listeners, um, I hope you're not running right now, and I hope there aren't earbuds involved. Yeah, if someone uh, all of a sudden just started looking at you after hearing the noise that came out of your earphones because they were not noise-canceling, and just was like, why is this person listening to someone just yell at them? Here's what I envision. <laughs> was it, I think it was Alan Smith back when there was a Baltimore Ons, uh thing uh, podcast where... What is that? Wasn't it Alan who was running and was listening to a game and... Marquez hit a home run, and he celebrated with somebody else running on a New York City. Uh, yeah, I think the guy was wearing a Marquez jersey or two, something like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah or yeah, something yeah. like that. Yeah. What I'm envisioning is somebody like on the metro, or you know, on a train, on a train, whatever, just freaking out because Scott is now screaming in their ears, you know, like ripping the earbuds out of their ears and looking crazy. And somewhere in the world, there will be two people in the same place. At the same time, at the same point in the podcast, ripping the earphones out of their earbuds out of their ears because Scott has overreacted. That this is what I want to have happened. And then they'll just look at each other and say, "You too, huh?" And then it's be like, "Yeah." It won't be a high five moment. It'll yeah. be like, "Oh, we we, le- we lead sad lives." <laughs> uh, Austin Baltimore, Hayes. we are judging you. Austin Hayes, not a big deal. No, I mean it, it comes back down to. Um, There's an interesting scenario here, and, you know, quotes came out afterwards, and I thought it was really interesting that they indicated that they wanted to get um, Hayes more at-bats, but I think the more interesting portion was them indicating that Austin Hayes needed to get time out in center field at Norfolk. And I think this is a really interesting scenario because it comes back to the Cedric Mullins situation. I I like Cedric Mullins, but ultimately— I still consider him kind of this like fourth outfielder kind of fringe starter, as it were— and I do raise the question of, does Cedric Mullins and Austin Hayes enter into a platoon situation eventually? We've talked about the outfield. The outfield's going to get really crowded with Diaz and Hayes and Mullins and potentially even DJ Stewart in the future. The Orioles are going to have to get creative. And why not get creative if you can have four or five starters that are all can play the field and basically play the platoon situation? I think Austin Hayes needs to figure out how to potentially maneuver in center field a little bit. I don't necessarily say I'm writing off Cedric Mullins. I'm just saying that Hayes has a higher upside than Mullins does. And ultimately, I think this is a good opportunity for him to kind of get ready for Major League Baseball uh, in the next two to three months. That's all. You said you like Cedric Mullins. Yeah, I like him. Well, I like Cedric Mullins, too. Yeah. You know who else I've liked? Who? I've Matt, lived, Matt Wieters? I've lived through some Orioles baseball, my friend. Yeah. I liked Jeff Fiorentino. I liked Louis Matos. I liked Brandon Fahey. You've made some questionable decisions in your life. It doesn't matter who I like. Yeah. I need the Orioles to play good players. Yeah. 
Uh, some people are, are saying this is a service time issue. Is this a service time issue? Yes. Isn't that kind of a good thing, considering that the Orioles are not going to be good for a while? Yes. Okay. Even though, again, Austin Hayes is probably not one of those guys that's going to be big. But, like, I could see Austin Hayes being a Trey Mancini-type player. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think that Austin Hayes' ceiling is a complimentary player. Yeah, I, like I said, he's a Trey Mancini complimentary player to me. And I think that the window of him being a complimentary player is going to coincide when the Orioles need good complimentary players. You know what? I take that back. I'm going to say he's no longer a Trey Mancini-type player. I'm going to say he's a Steve Pierce-like player. Oh, don't do that to my heart. Yeah. Look, I'm not ready to see number 10 again, but I'm not ready to see number 28 either. Jake, last news item. Okay, I'm listening. Uh, The Orioles will be giving away puffy vests to the first 300 fans that attend the Birdland membership open house. All right. I went to the game. I showed up a couple minutes late, and they said they had zero puffy vests. I went to gate, to gate, to gate. And was there a puffy vest? Nary. Nary a puffy vest to be had. There were not... 25,000 people in the city that weekend. Nobody had shown up to the games. You don't have a puffy vest? That's crap. Oh, but you can give away puffy vests at FanFest. You can give away puffy vests for Birdland membership. They're going to be giving away puffy vests for years. But I can't get one on the day that I went down to the ballpark for the express purpose of saying goodbye to Randy Poist at at Pickles. Thank you very much. And to go get a puffy vest? No, that's crap. I just want to thank the Bird's Eye View community for reaching out to Jake and uh, rubbing this in his face over and over again. Because every single time this has popped up on our Twitter in terms of our notifications, I've got to see Jake react as such. And it's been wonderful. So I really appreciate it, Bird's Eye View community. Uh, keep up the good work of infuriating Jake. Let's be clear. During the 2019 I, season. Uh, let, let, let's, be, let's be clear for a second. You are literally shaking right now. I have two puffy vests. Yeah. I have them. Yeah. I'm just furious that I couldn't get them when I was promised the puffy vest. It's and there was the, no good reason for me to not get them that day. It's the principle of the matter. It is. Or. Absolutely. Look, the wins and losses aren't going to matter. All we have left is what is right and what is good and what has been promised to me in puffy vest form. Why don't we go ahead and blow this in? Let's do it. So, Jake, um, I'm sitting at lunch today, and I, I'm sitting in a, uh, a Japanese restaurant, as it were, um, just eating really bad Japanese sushi. Okay. And uh, I, I'm just sitting there, and they're playing all types of terrible ones, like Heal the World, um, stuff like that. Um, but then music came across, and um, I was inspired, as it were. Um, this is terrifying, but go I, ahead. I, I'll play some of the music for you. Jake, obviously this is... Uh, Andrew Bocelli uh, and Sarah Brightman singing Time to Say Goodbye. And of course, this comes from the oral spastics, Time to Say Goodbye to Nate McLeod. And I started to reminisce about the good old days with Nate McLeod holding puppies in his arms and making incredible catches. And I, I turned my eyes to a recent article that came out on, uh, on 538 recently this past week. And the article goes as follows. 
The 2019 Orioles are one of the most anonymous teams in Major League Baseball history. And it walks through the aspect of these no-name guys that, well, no one is going to recognize and no one is ever going to remember after this season. And, And really, it raises the question... What the heck is going on and why are we doing this? Jake, uh, the given Fangraph's war projections for this season project the position players to have a 2.1 total war for the (laughs) entire team. So, Jake, this seems historically bad for an opening day lineup. I mean, Nate McLeod posted a better total war in 2012, which is why Andrea Bocelli is playing right now. Uh, but Jake, just to put it in historical context, and Sarah Brightman, and Sarah Brightman, but it's really Andrea Andrea Bocelli that's, that's carrying this because it's time to say goodbye. Um, the 2019 Orioles are one of the four worst opening day lineups of all time. Full stop. Though, are the other three also Dark Ages Orioles? No, they're not. Oh. Uh, so one of the teams was the 1977 Jays that were an expansion club at the time, uh, and they won 54 uh, games at the time. Uh, the other one were the 1980 Athletics and the 1982 Blue Jays, which actually happened to finish right around 500. Um, but yeah, Jake, um, it's it's pretty bad. Um, the Orioles are going to be pretty horrible. Now, let's let's be honest here. Um, there were decent players that were on these teams. So, the, like the 1980 Athletics had one good player that um, blossomed up into to greatness. Um, and it was a uh, player that was going to be playing left field. Uh, he had a uh, war projection of negative 0.4. Um, and that individual turned out to be Ricky Henderson, who later that season posted an 8.3 war. And eventually played for the Long Island Ducks of the Atlantic League. But Absolutely. go on. So, Jake, um, maybe, maybe a miracle can happen. And maybe there's a Ricky Henderson-like player. on. Who am I kidding? Let me go ahead and just listen to some more Andrea Bocelli and just reminisce about the greatness that was Nate McClath. I think I think you're missing a key component. Sure. Nate McClath is a great reference. Yeah. But when we talk about people we can't name, completely anonymous players, I don't think of Nate McClath. I think the opportunity we're missing, Scott, is that we may be introduced... Hang on a sec. We may be introduced to the next... Who the hell is Steve Pierce? Ooh. Steve Pierce was not a name that we knew. Famously, that was a player that we said, this is an anonymous guy who should be driving a truck. This is a guy who should be bagging groceries. This is a guy that is not an interesting ball player. And what did he do? Oh, he just stole our hearts. Oh, he just cried during the post-game interviews during the playoffs. And made me love him despite ending up being a Red Sox, but despite being the MVP of the World Series for the Red Sox. We have the possibility of uncovering the diamond in the rough that Thank won't be the all-star. Thank you, Jafar. <laughs> so, so, Jake, you posted on Twitter uh, earlier this week indicating, you know, the 1989 season was the why not season. Uh, you are putting this season as the why us season. Why me? Why me? Yeah. Uh, Jake, um, I, I disagree. I think this might need to be the who the hell season. Ooh. Ooh. I like it. Baltimore and beyond. 
let us know your opinions about what are you calling this upcoming 2019 season at Bird's Eye View BAL. Try to make it safe for work. Try. Try. And that, that is our show. Remember, you can find this in our entire catalog of indispensable episodes at birdseyeviewbaltimore.com. Bird's Eye View is available for download wherever it is you get your podcasts. Subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Google Play Music, Spotify, and many others. Please remember to rate and review the show. We appreciate the feedback, and it encourages other people to listen for the first time. And sometimes they're about their headphones and say, oh my gosh, why are these people yelling at me? Come get social with us. You can email us at contact at birdseyeviewbaltimore.com. Hate mail can be sent to jake at birdseyeviewbaltimore.com. Love mail at scott at birdseyeviewbaltimore.com. You can find us on social media on Instagram, Facebook, and Snapchat. But the best way to get a hold of us is on Twitter, where we tweet at birdseyeviewbal. And with that, Baltimore and beyond, I'll bid you all a fond adieu-adieu. Good night, Baltimore. Be safe out there. And let's go O's. Are you ready for the season now? Or do you need to still stretch it out a little bit longer? I'm getting there. Getting there? I'm, I'm approaching the zone. Okay. I'm approaching the zone. I'm not ready. Not ready. No. No. I don't think we, anybody could be ready for this season. Oh, I know that once it happens, I'm going to have to process. But I can manufacture a little bit of excitement for opening day. You can manufacture a little excitement? You're still here? It's over. Go home. Go.